Glory to God. 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5. Examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not know yourselves that Christ Jesus or Jesus Christ is in you? Unless indeed you are disqualified. In order to examine ourselves and test ourselves, we have to check and make sure that we've repented from whatever sin may be in our life so that we don't get disqualified from having Christ Jesus in us. And Paul talks about this in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 21 before he gets into this in the 13th chapter. I'll read it again. Lest when I come again, my God will humble me among you and I shall mourn for many that have sinned before and have not repented of the uncleanness or impurity, some translations say, sexual immorality or fornication, and I told you that Thayer's Greek-English lexicon says that Greek word means illicit sexual intercourse. And that's adultery, fornication, homosexuality, lesbianism, uh, intercourse with animals, and so on. And there's vice lists like 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 9 and 10 that will include these things real clear. And it says it like this, do, do you not know? that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? And then he says, do not be deceived. Man, there's a lot of deception in this area. A lot of people think that you can do whatever you want and sin however much you want to, and you're just going to be okay, hunky-dory, you know. It's just going to be fine, and God's just going to wink at your evil and your sin, and Jesus is not going to pay attention. Well, I'm sorry, but that's not what the Bible says. Go to Revelation chapter 2 and 3. And read what Jesus, how Jesus exposed the sins of the churches over there. And, uh, and you'll see that Jesus doesn't just stick his nose up in the air and doesn't pay attention. No, he knows exactly what's going on and he'll rebuke you. Revelation chapter 3 verse 19 says, Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. Therefore be zealous and repent. <laughs> yeah, he'll call you to repentance and he'll rebuke you too. So he says, don't be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate means those that males that make themselves out to be like females. And that, of course, opens a whole new realm, as we've seen today with transgender and all that other stuff. And then it says, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards will inherit the kingdom of God. Now, I don't care how how... You want to interpret this. Don't you know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? And then he gives this list of what is unrighteous. And it's not a whole list. I mean, just a partial list. Because if you go to Galatians 5, 19 through 21, it's a similar list. But he adds, those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of things that are like this that he didn't mention that he mentions in other places that are also sins. But he's talking about practicing these things. You won't inherit the kingdom of God. And people, you know, want to say, well, that just means you won't be able to get the blessing. Well, let me tell you something. Do not, don't you know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God does not sound like, okay, go ahead and sin. When you die and you just live in sin and practice sin, and when you die, it's going to be all okay. And God's going to say, welcome to heaven. I'm sorry, but... Uh, will not inherit the kingdom of God does not sound like welcome to heaven and have a nice forever. It uh, sounds terrible. And you don't want to be a part of it. You don't want to be in it. Anyway, all of this is important for our, our understanding. But we've been looking at where 
Paul was before Governor Felix, and he reasoned about righteousness and self-control and judgment to come, and it freaked Felix out. I mean, he said, go away for now. Uh, he couldn't stand it. It terrorized him, you know, just to think about what he meant, what Paul meant by faith in Christ. Now, the scripture that we gave you is Acts 24, verses 24 and 25. And you can go back and read that. Because there he tells us that faith in Christ, this is the way he explained it. It's righteousness, self-control, and judgment to come. And I gave you some scriptures in the last podcast about judgment to come. We're going to talk about self-control. And we started and have said quite a bit about righteousness. And now we're talking about the second part of righteousness, which is righteous living. Because, you know, you have to, once you, once you're a Christian, you don't, you just don't live any way you want to. You're required to practice righteousness. And we saw 1 John 2.29 that talks about practicing righteousness. Those are the ones that are born of him. 1 John chapter 3 and verse 7 says, Little children, let no one deceive you. He who practices righteousness is righteous, just as he is righteous. He who sins is of the devil. Now I'm reading from the New King James translation or, or version. So if you practice righteousness, you're righteous. If you practice sin, guess who you belong to? You don't belong to God. You don't belong to Jesus. I don't care who or what you think about it. He says here, if you practice sin, you belong to the devil. Now, I know that's rough. I know that's tough. And I know that goes, that, that completely goes contrary to evangelical thought and some of the junk that you hear being preached today. But I can't help it. I'm just reading the Bible. Verse 10. He goes on to say, if you'll read it in verse 10, he repeats the same thing again. He says, in this, the children of God and the children of the devil are manifest. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is he who, do, who does not love his brother. For this is the message that you've heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. Not as Cain, who was of the wicked one and murdered his brother, and why did he murder him? Because his works were evil and his brothers righteous. Now, this is an important scripture for a number of reasons. We're going to get into this because this was the message that was revealed from the beginning. Did you notice that? He said, this is how you're going to tell the difference between the children of God and the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God. Now, get that straight. If you're not practicing righteousness and still call yourself a Christian then you're not of God. You're, you're lying to yourself. You're deceived. You need to come out of that. You need to repent and receive cleansing from unrighteousness and begin to do what the Word says and begin to practice the Christian life according to the Scripture. And I know this causes a lot of problems for people because they've been used to hearing, well, I'm the righteousness of God. Well, you received a free gift when you came to Jesus, but that free gift can be messed up through sin. If it can't be messed up through sin, then 1 John chapter 1, verse 9 would be incorrect. But it's not incorrect. It's right. It says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. And watch this now. And to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, what would be the purpose of cleansing us from all unrighteousness if righteousness was unaffected by your sin? And that doesn't even make sense. No, the reason that you are cleansed from all unrighteousness 
is because the righteousness that you were accredited with or credited with in Christ was affected by your sin. Now get that straight. Now this is why Titus chapter 2 and verse 11 says, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. Now thank God for that. And it did through Jesus Christ. What he paid for, his death and resurrection, the shedding of his blood for the remission of our sins. I mean, that was the great grace of God. But now, if you teach this right, it's going to do something. Verse 12 says, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age. Now, that means in right now. Now when you get to heaven. And the grace of God, if it's taught properly, you should be learning, I got to deny ungodliness. Okay? I got to deny worldly lusts. I got to live soberly. And that means self, self-control. We'll talk about that a little later. Righteously and godly in the present age. Now, all of this false, hyper, crazy, nutty, ridiculous grace that you're hearing around there is wrong. Because they're saying that once righteous, always righteous. And because of the grace of God, if I sin, no matter how much I sin, I'm okay with God. Well, that's that's error. The Bible doesn't say that. The Grace is not an excuse for sin. Get that straight. Now, you can fuss about that all you want if you've been taught wrong. But the Bible says in Romans chapter 6, and this is what Paul said, What shall we say then? Verse 1, Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound. And he goes on and says, certainly not. No, 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 no. And in verse 15, he repeats the same, a little different. He says, what then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? And he says, certainly not. No, we're not to continue in sin because we're under grace. No, we're to deny ungodliness. We're to deny worldly lust. We are to live in self-control and righteously and godly in this present age. Now, this is what the Scripture teaches you. Don't be fooled by people. Now, go back to Titus chapter 1. Look at verse 8. Now, this is talking about a bishop or a leader in the church. It could be, You could say pastor. And actually, the word pastor, bishop, and shepherd all mean and are talking about the same thing. That's a whole different subject, and I'll get into it sometime. But if you go to Acts chapter 20, and you read there at Paul's goodbye message to the church at Ephesus, you'll find out that he uses all three terms talking about the elders of the church. Okay? Now, a bishop must be blameless. This is verse 7. As a steward of God, not self-willed, not quick-tempered, not given to wine, not violent, not greedy for money, not hospitable, but hospitable, a lover of what is good, sober-minded. Now watch what he tells you. This guy has to be righteous, holy, self-control, holding fast the faithful word, and so on and so forth. But I wanted you to see that he says this guy has to be righteous. Now why would he say that? about a leader in the church that he has to be righteous if righteousness as a gift was already on him and he couldn't lose it. Oh, (laughs) yeah, uh uh-huh. If he's telling him that this leader has to be righteous, holy, and self-controlled, it's because anybody can 
be unrighteous or unholy or lack self-control. And he says, now the leader should not be unrighteous and he should not be unholy and he should not lack self-control. He should be righteous, holy, and self-controlled. Now that's important that we get that because if he's a believer in Christ Jesus, isn't he already righteous? Now the question here is, is he living according to righteous behavior and is his conduct right? Amen. One more scripture and we'll close for today and we'll be back. First Timothy chapter 6 and verse 11. But you, O man of God, flee these things. And he talks about the love of money and he talks about corruption and a number of things and ungodliness and things like that. But he says you flee these things and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, gentleness. Huh. Second Timothy chapter 2 verse 22 says the same phrase, pursue righteousness. So here we see in 1 Timothy 6, 11, and also 2 Timothy 2, 22, that we're to pursue righteous, righteousness. So why run after, because that's what the word pursue means, diligently after that which you already possess forever, and there's no possibility of you losing it through unrighteousness. Yeah. You see, it doesn't make sense. People's stand on we're righteous, always right. That does not make sense if you are not living in righteousness. Amen. We'll be back on our next study.